Africa Business Report on The Money Show. Victor Khobiswana. Must be Tuesday night because I see Victor sitting across from me. Nice to see you, Victor. The size of Nigeria's economy, to my mind, (laughs) is becoming the year's biggest non-story so far. It's a non-story because we knew it was going to happen. I haven't been talking about this for a long time. And and yes, it's a non-story because, yes, you're Africa's largest economy. So what? What happens afterwards? Yeah. So I, I think we should get over it. I'm sure there, there are good things that come with being the biggest economy, but I think they still have a lot of ground to cover. But I'm glad that there's a sign that there are other African economies that are growing. And I think Nigeria is big enough to matter. So it, it can't just be languishing down there. It's just another. It should be where it belongs. 160 million people is not something you... And, and I'm glad it will start being on the center stage more and people will get to know that there are more. There's more to Nigeria than what we think. And there's is. more There's more to Africa than South yeah, Africa. Exactly. Many, many people have exactly. joined us in the fact that South yep. Africa is the powerhouse of the African continent. And yep. We use phrases like that willy-nilly. Yep. Um, and we do need to understand that big, booming African economies are good for all of us. Yeah, exactly. After Africa's riches, man is Nigerian. So what's the problem with it being there the biggest? Yeah. Aliko Dangote is yeah. his name. Uh, yeah. Five card cloners. <laughs> being found guilty in of all places yeah, Namibia in Namibia and and the funny thing is their nationalities Bruce five of them were Sri Lankans I think Singaporean there was a national there there was a British citizen and there were Namibians there so it's a cut scam but they were facing 1516 charges of conspiracy to commit fraud. The amount of money is not huge it's about 1.646 million rand which they were mainly targeting British clients of, of Bartley's Bank. And it started, it was happening between 2007 and 2000, I mean, June, uh, March and two, August in that year. The, in, the, the exciting thing is about knowing that there is always recourse to the law. I think that's why I brought this story to the fore, that it's important to know that you can commit fraud in African countries. And that's what we are saying. Technology is improving, but with that technology, the cyber risk is on the rise. We spoke about it last week. So it is important to know that the banks are collaborating. They are working together to, to, to crack down on this kind of crime. But yeah, it's just the conviction that I found interesting. And you can be, it's more reassuring when you know the country's legal systems work, especially on international kinds of syndicates like this one. Uh, absolutely. And it's nice to see. And uh, hopefully they go to jail for a long time. Uh, Bob Diamond, he yeah. is the yeah. former Barclays chief executive. Yeah. He uh, resigned in a hurry when uh, Barclays was accused of fixing interest rates. He's just hired the former head of APSA Capital, yeah. uh, an ex-Marine by the name of John Vitalo, who was parachuted into APSA in the early days of Barclays' acquisition. Mm. Uh, Bob Diamond has yeah. gone to John Vitalo and says, why don't you come and help me run my new business, which wants to buy lots of banks in Africa? Mm. And, and now he's with his company called Atlas Marako Invest. Patrick Chinamasa, the finance minister of Zimbabwe, telling reporters that he has undertaken, he will help with the issuance of a European bond worth about $207 million. There are concerns, though, about the links of Bob Diamond to a man called George Manera. I don't know him. He's an investment banker and former World Bank official whose company was hired by the government, they say, to oversee the indigenization, which is happening in Zimbabwe, as you know. There's a company called Brainworks here that was facing allegations last year that they profited from a deal and all he did was facilitate or prepare an indigenization agreement and that cost $40 million. So there are all kinds of allegations. 
But I'm sure that Bob Diamond would have been looking at this and saying, well, if Zimbabwe is overstretched in terms of getting the resources for the infrastructure development and all the things they need to do, perhaps they could use help of someone who has the right connections. So says Tony Hawkins. He's an economist. I think I've met him once. We've had him on the radio. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And he says, well, he has the necessary connections. The only concerns would be the connections that he but in the end i think businessmen who make it or businesswomen who make it are going to have some controversy or another with who they are associated with as long as everything is above board i'm sure that there will be good business for whoever invests in zimbabwe you it's still a viable let, economy you zimbabwe. let people off lightly sometimes Victor. i tell you what give me a sense of what zisa holdings yeah. does we could equate it to the escom here i mean it's, okay. it's a, it's, a gen, it's about generation what it's it's now going to spend $100 million to install 300,000 smart units. These are meters that are now able to give feedback on a regular basis. You don't have to wait for, if you like, month end to check how much consumption has been going on. Because they spent $7 million or so to install prepaid meters that are now being said to be, well, they are not working quite as well, uh. 400,000, because people are tempering with them and so on. So they, it's just one of those things. Less than two years ago, these pre, uh, smart meters were installed. Now the ZSA is going to install smart meters, 300,000 smart units. It means an investment in less than two years didn't deliver because they say they are losing more than $10 million a year in revenue, which is not something you could, if you're going to spend $100 million, it's just 10 times that to be able to, take, to curb that kind of leakage. Maybe they should make that kind of investment. Absolutely right. Uh, you look at the Americans who uh, are suspending, uh, how do we put this politely? They're suspending yeah. political principle yeah. because there's stuff called gum Arabic, which comes yeah. from Sudan. Gum Arabic, I, I had to look it up. It comes everything from... Yeah, I get to. What we're saying is, I don't understand the stuff. Yeah. I don't know the stuff. I had to check it out. Yeah. Uh, gum Arabic is comes in soft drinks. Uh, yeah. It comes in ink as a food stabilizer. Yeah. But the Americans need food stabilizers, so yeah. they accuse the su- su- they accuse the Sudanese of terrorism. But they're importing gum Arabic anyway because their demand is going up. And and this is interesting because I remember when I was in Khartoum, there were Americans who were supposed to be traveling with us who couldn't get their visas. Approved. Their companies in the U.S. couldn't approve their budget or expenditure because they thought that com- that country is blacklisted. This is very interesting, and that's where maybe the hypocrisy of international trade comes in, Bruce. That because of the demand in the states that can be met, the, ex- the demand is expected to double. Is currently six- sixty-three thousand tons a year is expected to double in this year. So. Because of that, this Gamara, because they are, they are going to be suspending that. It's still blacklisted in other areas, but among the items that are blacklisted, this Gamara has been removed so that they can be trade. There we go. And uh, a little bit of Susuto thrown into the mix as well. Uh, Niger doing a uranium deal with yeah. France. We it, don't mind the French having lots of nuclear power. Yeah. It, well, Areva, Areva is a big player in the space. They're also in Namibia, Bruce. And they have been in Niger for a very long time. The problem is, have they been practicing their business in line with the, the sustainability principles? So the president of Niger this time saying this new deal will be done according to proper, proper, proper responsibility, social and environmental 
responsibility. So let's see what it will. He says it will be a win-win situation for everybody. But yeah, Niger is the fourth largest now. I think Namibia used to be. But after Kazakhstan, Canada and Australia, they are the fourth largest. And it, it's, it's exciting to see that Arriva is continuing their investment there. They are, of course, concerned with the Libyan situation. Because if you remember north of Niger, you find Libya. And with what happened there after the Arab Spring, there's been an overflow of some rebels into the neighboring countries. Uh, and then finally, there's a nice boost for Nigeria's power sector, yeah. which is coming through. Always. 575 megawatt power plant in Ikwaibom State. It's one of the things that point out that they are it's mobile, by the way. Most international oil corporations that are including <laughs> Shell and Egypt already contributing 642 megawatts and 480 megawatts respectively to the national grid. Mobile is joining. It's again exciting, as we say. That's the Nigerian economy for you. It's got so many facets that are attracting all kinds of investments that even with the problems they have, it's still a vibrant economy. That's why maybe they're the largest now. There we go. Victor Khobaswana, full circle back to Nigeria. Thanks very much, Victor, uh, this evening here on The Money Show, taking a look at all the big business stories from around the African continent.